where words mean everything. Meaner than ice hockey. Where argument is the weapon of choice. And because women can play at it. You're Tomansky. You're supposed to be brilliant. Just as down and dirty as the men. Haven't you ever heard of the women's movement? Yeah, but I wish I had. It's probably the scariest, most fascinating sport on the face of the planet. There isn't anyone they can't talk to. I don't want to be Tucker's debate partner. We usually end up debating each other instead of our opponents. Yeah, well, I don't think I want to be your partner either. Except each other. Action at any price. Listen to me. Now available on video cassette. Hello, everyone. How are you? This is Tom McCaffrey. Welcome to another episode of uh, Plot Smokers slash LE2B. Um, so that was the trailer for uh, the 1989 movie Listen to Me, starring Kirk Cameron and Jamie Gertz. It was a real powerhouse cast. Kirk, this was Kirk Cameron, top billing, Jamie Gertz, Roy Scheider, Yeardley Smith, Christopher Atkins, Peter DeLuise. Um, let's see who else. A lot of people. I feel like this was a very transitional movie. It was it, this was basically a movie where it was like <clears throat> the jury was still out on a lot of these people, and a lot of them were doing TV and maybe considered up and coming. And this is a movie where they were like, "Well, can could they be in movies? Like maybe they could be in movies." And then after this, it was officially no, they're they're not going to be in movies. <laughs> like Peter DeLuise, I don't think ever did a movie. Kirk Cameron, this this basically single-handedly ruined Kirk Cameron's uh, film career trajectory because he was at a point where, you know, I don't know if people remember Kirk Cameron. He's like a religious lunatic now, but he was in in the 80s, he was just like hot up-and-coming star. He was almost kind of on the same trajectory as like um, Michael J. Fox because he was on Growing Pains and that became this huge show. And he was, you know, he was good. He was, you know, he's really funny. I remember, you know, I was like, a few years younger than the character because he was supposed to be like it was very gen x you know um 80s uh male teenager you know just very like smart alecky and he was always the wittiest guy in the room and you know really aloof and very ferris bueller which is kind of the template for that time there was a lot of you know male all my real male role models you know around my age in the 80s were basically yeah like the kind of trickster vibe guys who just kind of were like really smart and didn't want to kind of follow the rules completely and kind of want to take shortcuts and, and not you know they were lazy but they were smart and that's why they it was almost like they were showing off that they could get away with not doing a lot tom sawyerish um and then he did a movie with dudley moore in 87 or 8 called like father like son there was this um trend at this point in the like late eight mid to late eighties where they kept make remaking or they kept making these body switch movies, you know, where it'd be like a father and son and they would, or mother and daughter. I think it was usually father and son in, in this era because they did vice versa with judge Reinhold, Fred Savage. They, something happened. They just, they changed bodies and, you know, it was real kooky. <laughs> Like, oh, my God, Judge Reinhold's acting like a 10-year-old. This is crazy. And then they did, like, Father Like Son, and then they did Big with Tom Hanks, which was sort of – that was the good one, but it was different because it was just one guy. It was just a kid becoming a man. But so, anyway, he did, like, Father Like Son, and I think that did pretty good, And even though it was a shit movie. And 
they were like, oh man. I th- and it's funny to look back. I mean, they, this was kind of a time where they thought Kirk Cameron would be like a legitimate film star. He was going to do the, the crossover in the movies like Michael J. Fox had done. And then after listening to me, they were like, you know what? Listen to me, Kirk. Uh, you're not going to be in movies. So, and, and then it was weird because then the next year he was just crazy. He was like good on growing pains. He was about to be a movie star. And then 1990, just he became like a crazy guy. <laughs> he got really into religion, you know, just, and you know, I don't know to generalize, but it just seems it just seems like that's kind of the trajectory, and that just seems to be the pattern a lot of times. Like when someone finds religion, it's usually like they go a little loopy, they get a little wacky. You know, like if you ever hear someone's you haven't seen someone in a while, and then you hear they're into religion now, it's like, oh, really? <laughs> like, hey, how's Steve? He got really into Jesus. Oh, really? Oh, that's weird. Yeah, he's living in a trailer uh, on a mountain yelling at people. <laughs> oh, great. So anyway, that happened to him. And now I think he just every now and then shows up and makes comments about gay people that, that you know, gay people are wrong and God hates them. So that's Kirk Cameron. Anyway, before I get into that, I'm going to into listen to me more in depth, which is not going to be that in depth, but it's just going to be me kind of riffing on it and trying to be funny and hoping it is. The story of my life. <laughs> so there's a few things I wanted to talk about. Um, let's see. What's the first? Oh, for, I don't know if you heard in that trailer. They kind of make it's such an old trailer for listening to me at the end. They're like now on video cassette. <laughs> I was just in L.A. and I went to the, this kind of throwback video store that's kind of supposed to be kind of hip and trendy sort of because it's kind of like retro like, oh, you're going to go to a video store and like look for DVDs. They have all these DVDs, but they also have video cassettes. And it's just so crazy because you just see these video cassettes and they're so bulky and cumbersome. You're like, people used to use these. And I mean, I came up and I used them and I look at them now. And I'm like, oh, my God, how did we how did we live? You know, like I saw like they had like Crocodile Dundee 2 on video and it was like for sale for like a dollar, which feels like a ripoff. I feel like zero would probably be a better would be a better price for Crocodile DM. But I just who's the person that's coming in like Crocodile Dundee two on video? I must have this. And it's funny because I remember when when in the eighties when video stores became like a new thing. VCRs were a new technology. You know, you'd go in and they'd have a new movie on video and for sale, and it'd be like a hundred dollars. You know, like Crocodile Dundee 2, I guarantee when it came out, was like $90 to buy on video. And it's really funny because I feel like it's it's funny how much that technology has shifted in terms of perspective from when I was young to now. Cause I remember when I was a kid, if you got a VCR, if you were one of the early ones to get a VCR, it was like a huge deal, and you're almost kind of looked at as like um advanced it was kind of like getting a tv in the 50s you know i had friends who had vcrs before me and it was like oh my god you have a vcr like your dad must be a millionaire it's just kind of this uh it was almost just like um cachet if you had this technology and now it's like i feel like if you if you know someone like if you're using video cassettes now and and entertaining yourself on a vcr like that seems like a very sketchy like it seems like your life isn't going well like it just seems like a very um shady you're living a very shady existence if that's how you're entertaining yourself um 
Like if if you hear that someone you know watches video cassettes, you're like immediately concerned. Like, hey man, I haven't seen you. What have you been up to? I'm, I've been watching Forrest Gump on my VCR. Like, really? Are you okay? Are you planning a mass shooting? <laughs> you would call your friend. Your you call the police. Like, yeah, hi, police. I, I think my friend's in a terrorist organization. Like, uh, why is that? He's been acting suspiciously. I I saw him buying a VCR. They're like, say no more. We'll get him. Where does he live? This guy's clearly on the edge. His life is bottoming out. He's watching videos. So I was watching uh, TV or whatever recently. They, they have a lot of weird, you know, ads are just shitty. Now. I remember when I was younger, like they would put effort into ads. It was like a big deal. Like people, like funny people would write them and they'd get your attention. Now it's just everything is like Ozempic. It's just like pharmacy stuff. And get this for diabetes. It's all like diabetes medicine, um, which now that I'm thinking, it's probably knowing what it's, it's targeting me, I guess, because I have diabetes. Um, but yeah, I already have medicine for that, so I don't know. But literally, that's all I see. Or like, die. and but anyway, I saw another one for uh, shingles, for shingles pain, and they were like showing, you know, oh, do you have shingles? Oh, it really hurts. You know, like you should take this for shingles pain, and then they go through the side effects, and and they go, um, side effects include pain. <laughs> really? So the. Uh, the, the medicine that I'm buying to get rid of pain, the side effect of it for it is pain. You know, it's like if you they came out with a a, a commercial for something to uh, treat your HIV, like buy this HIV medicine. Side effects include continuing to have HIV. <laughs> so please buy this now. Then I saw another commercial for this like uh, this hair transplant place, you know, and um, they show these guys and they're they don't have a lot of hair and then they get a hair transplant. But it's really funny is, you know, at the beginning when they don't have hair, they're just miserable and they're just basically have like this this completely sullen, defeated look in their eyes. And then later when they have the hair transplant, you know, their lives are great and they they show them doing things after the hair transplant. Um but it's weird the things they show them doing because they're doing things that like don't really require you having hair, and they're acting like ha- not having hair is stopping you from doing certain things. Like the guy gets the hair transplant, and then they show him and he's playing basketball and um, and then eating. <laughs> like this guy's like, oh man, thank God I got that hair transplant. Now now I can finally eat again. That was really killing me not being able to, not, not being served in restaurants. I wasn't able to go out and bounce a ball on the, you know, because no bald guy can play basketball, right? Just, you know, ask Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Those guys suck. They need to get hit. Michael Jordan, man, imagine if he got a hair transplant. Just imagine how good he'd be now at basketball. So that was funny. So let me get into this shit movie. Listen to me. All right. So I went through the cast. The guy who wrote this and directed is this guy named Douglas Day Stewart. And um, if you look him up online, you'll see he, he wrote a lot of kind of iconic movies like Officer and a Gentleman and uh, what, what, oh, Blue Lagoon he wrote, which explains Christopher Atkins is in this Listen to Me movie. So I guess he was just like, God, Christopher Atkins really nailed it in Blue Lagoon. Like he really knows how to say my words perfectly. Just He just sings my words. I got to get him in this. 
this shit movie about debating in college. So basically if the, the, the plot of the movie is it follows like the, uh, the fast paced whiz bang world of college debating, you know, like, I can't believe that got this got greenlit. I guess I guess back in the eighties, you 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 could they they would make shitty movies. Like I feel like they were more open to it. Like someone would be like, "I have this movie, you know, it's about like a monkey, and he joins, you know, the he joins like the base. He becomes a professional baseball player. And they're like, yeah, yeah, all right, that that sounds good. Let let's just try it. What's the worst that could happen? You know, that's the worst movie in the world. Um, now so anyway th- th- this was a movie i can't it's i don't even know i didn't know debating was such a big deal in certain colleges but it's at some like california college and it seems like a party school and but everyone but it's weird because the entire campus is super into debating meaning like some of them are do debate but then everyone on the campus loves debating like that's their it's almost like it's if at USC how they are with like football, how the how big college would be about football. This is how this California school is about debating. Um, like the guy, there's this really popular guy, and they show me it pulls up in like a, a Porsche at the beginning, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's him! He's the greatest!" And then like he's the best debater at the school, you know? Like all these hot chicks are throwing themselves in it because that's what that's what I remember from college or life is just. The hottest chicks were like, Where, where's the debate team? I want to blow them. I love their debating. It's just great watching them be talk about boring shit. Argue. And Kirk Cameron's in it. He plays this like guy from Oklahoma. And, you know, he has this awful Southern accent that he like sometimes doesn't have. And I mean, I don't know why, why did they have to give him an accent? It's just like, he's not that great an actor. You're trying to make him a movie star. Just, you know, like, it's like, just let him talk in his voice. I'm sure Kirk Cameron was like, I can do accents. Just let me do, I can do anything. I'm going to stretch myself. So he's there in debate scholarship and he's like really, you know, wide eyed and naive. And he's just like, and he loves debating. And he's like, yeah. And you know, he's like, I was the greatest debate guy in my school. That's my impression. Of <laughs> and um, Jamie Gertz is also on scholarship for debating. And, but, and it's like, they only give two debate scholarships a year, you know, that's really prestigious and competitive. And, they're the top two and Jamie Gertz is really weird and standoffish and, you know, and they're, Jamie Gertz and Kirk Hammer are supposed to be poor, you know? And so they work in the kitchen. Like that's how they meet. They're working in the kitchen and, you know, their boss is like screaming at them all the time. This guy's really mad at them all the time. He's always like, you know, it's a thing the boss where he's just, um, he's just always riding them and on their ass, you know, like, he's like, what are you doing talking? He's always like, Go over there and clean the, the plates. <laughs> you know, and they're like, all right, what the hell? He's like, I can't believe I can't believe you guys didn't clean the cups. So um they start debating, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and I, I you know, I'm gonna skip to like the end because it doesn't really matter. Basically, the main guy who's the big man on campus, I guess, is a senior and he's the best debater in the world. They make they literally comedy, he's like the best debater that ever lived. And um he he takes Kirk Cameron under his wing. And um, oh, another thing. So this Amanda Peterson's in it, who was in Can't Buy Me Love. This is right after Can't Buy Me Love. And Again, this was right at the cusp where I think they were like, well, maybe she can be in movies. And then like it was like, no, she's not going to be able to be in movies. Um, 
she you can tell she's kind of trying to like uh stretch herself and you know like spread her wings and show what she can do she's playing like someone who has like a she has like a handicap or something she just has a cane the whole movie and she makes this big speech she's like you know don't treat me like anyone else i can you know i can do things you know even though i have a cane and then um, Christopher Atkins like hits on her, you know, and Christopher Atkins looks like he's like 40, but he's at this college and, and you know, he's in it for like, uh, he has like 10 lines, I guess. And it's, it's just weird. You're like, I guess this guy doesn't work or something. Um, so, uh, oh, the thing is the main big man at campus, the guy he comes from a rich family and his dad's like a big Senator and his dad wants him, you know, to go to law school and, you know, become president. Like his dad has this like, long you know grand scheme for him where he has it all mapped out for his future all mapped out where it's like you're gonna go to law school and you know you're gonna go to harvard law i don't know and you know you're gonna get in the senate and then you're gonna be president and he of course is really resistant like my dad just doesn't understand me you know i feel like there's a lot of movies where like there's someone who's just um completely at a crossroads and is is having like uh this big crisis where um and the big crisis they're having is that their dad wants them to like be really successful and is like pushing them to success and doing whatever they can to make them become successful. And they hate it. You know, they're just like, can you believe like dead poet society? He's like, my dad wants me to be a doctor. Oh my God. What a jerk. And he's just like, just that, that's good. You should be a doctor. <laughs> so it's the same thing. Like my dad wants me to be president. And then he's like, but I don't want to, I, I want to, uh, I want to be a playwright, you know? And then, He's like, my dad won't let me be a playwright. I'm running out of time. And it's like, how is he stopping you? Just write a fucking play. It's just such a weird thing. It's like that thing of, you know, this or that. And it's just like, you can pl- write plays when you're as a pre- as the president. If you're the president, you, you probably get your play. It'd be easier for you to get your play produced. But I think it was kind of the thing, the struggle between, you know, corporate mainstream success and, being an artist and like i just want to you know i want to be a playwright which means i have to live in a toilet and it's just like um you can write plays on your off time so and roy scheider you know doesn't want to be a playwright roy, roy scheider is like the, the coach of the debate team and he's supposed to be like the greatest debate coach of all time he's like famous like oh my god have you heard of so and so like apparently debate coaches are like famous or something and um they uh so what happens is uh, J- Jamie Gertz and Kirk Cameron and the, and the other guy they all go to New York City for some big debate thing some big debate contest and the guy the the rich guy um gets in a fight gets really drunk because he's pissed about being a playwright or something. He, he wants to be a playwright and no one wants him to be or cares and um he starts hitting on Jamie Gertz and the whole, the whole movie Kirk Cameron's trying to bang Jamie Gertz. And she's just like, nah, like she's always like really standoffish, but like, not only like she's not into it, but also like weird. Like she's like, don't touch me. I don't like when people like touch me, you know? And, um, and so the cool guy is like, Hey, why don't you come into my room for a drink? And she's like, all right. And then they go up and he starts like, I guess he's really lonely. And he's like, you know, I don't have anyone to talk to. And then she thinks he's hitting on her, which he kind of is. And then he, He's like, I need you and won't let her out. And she's like panicking and he, and he tries to make out with her. And then she um, like pulls away and he like punches her in the face, which is pretty fucking brutal. And then he's like, oh, sorry, let me go get a rag. And then she runs out of the room, of course. And then 
you know, I, she runs to Kirk Cameron and then Kirk Cameron goes to the guy. And he's like, I can't believe you, you know, you raped her. Like he's like, I can't believe you tried to rape her. He's like, I didn't try to rape her. And then they get a fight. And the guy, the big man on campus guy gets like hit by a car. Well, for, um, I think he also, they do it in a way where like, they're trying to show he's a good guy, even though you just showed him like almost try and rape Jamie Gertz and just punch her in the face literally a minute earlier they're trying so like kirk cameron's in the street while they're fighting and he sees a car coming the other guy and he throws kirk cameron onto the sidewalk to save him and then he gets hit by the car and then he just uh, he just dies on the sidewalk um it's like oh wow rough night at this in this debate world you know an attempted rape and assault and you know now a fucking death so the big thing is at the end, there's supposed to have this big debate or the, the big guy who just got hit by the car is was supposed to debate in front of the Supreme Court against Harvard, their debate team. And. Um, but uh, he can't do it because he's dead and they want to pull out. And then um, he's like, Roy Shire's like, you know, he said that the rich guy is like, he said that, you know, you were better than him in actuality. He, that's why he was, he was jealous of you because you were better than me. Kirk Cameron's like, oh man, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. And then uh, they're like, all right, you and Jamie Gertz are going to go against the Harvard team, you know, and they're supposed to be like the greatest debaters in the world. And they're like, I don't know. It's going to be really hard. But the whole thing I'm like, but I understand you said you're the greatest debate coach in the world. Like what, why is this a problem? And so the topic they have to go de- debate in front of the Supreme Court is like is abortion and they're getting killed. You know, they have like this quick thing where they show Harvard just like nailing. I don't even, I don't really understand because they don't really even be relying on facts. They're almost relying just on like their gut feelings and opinions on topics and issues like abortion. They're like, you know, I think one of them is arguing for it and one of them's against it. And, and they're like, you know, it, it's a woman. I mean, this is how <laughs> nuanced and deep it goes. You know, it's a woman's body and she should be able to choose. You know, they're like, yeah, like that's Harvard side. Like these guys are amazing. And then, you know, Kirk Cameron, Jamie Gertz have to argue the other side. And so they're losing. And then Jamie Gertz is like, all right, I'm going to tell a story. And then she like tells a story about how when she was young, she got raped and got pregnant and had to uh, get an abortion. And then the other after it's this really dramatic big you know moment where everyone's kind of like crying and everyone's quiet and then the the harvard guy gets up to you know um rebut what she talked about and he goes um yeah doubt it or something like that like oh he says something like you know if this is another great line like um if you believe that then i have a bridge to sell you and everyone's like oh and it's basically the intimation and it's kind of implied that she's making it up just to score points because they show earlier, Roy Scheider's like, you say whatever you got to say. Like, you make up a story about something that happened. Make it personal. And they'll, so anyway. Um, and then Kirk Cameron does the big closer thing at the end. And I don't even know. He doesn't even really use facts or cite cases. He's just basically like, you know, uh, and then maybe this is what got Kirk Cameron on his fucking religious, you know, kick or whatever. Maybe he liked, that's why he liked this part, because he's arguing kind of um against abortion he's like i'm not saying that the government has its right to tell whatever but you know our society really needs to be overhauled and we really need to be more accountable because it's just a very like irresponsible culture we're like oh this happened well i'll just do this oh i don't like my wife i'll just get divorced and so he goes through that 
And um, it's it's really fair that it, that's actually the most relevant part of the movie. What they're talking about is abortion, um, and what he's saying is actually more relevant and more um, applicable now more than ever. The uh, you know everyone just kind of like relying on abortion, even though it's kind of funny when people say it. Like people just they're they're, they're responsible. Like they kind of are acting like take being take uh, getting an abortion is just the easiest decision. Like like almost just like you know. I don't know, like uh, getting gas. Like, oh yeah, I kind of got pregnant. Yeah, I should have been more responsible. Whatever, I'll just stop by and get an abortion. I'll go by the abortion, the abortion cafe, get some coffee and abort and an abortion. So at the end, they win. You know, they because the Supreme Court is to vote. They're like, you know, I really like what you said. And then everyone's like, yeah. And then they leave, and Kirk Cameron's like. I guess that's why you never wanted to kiss me, you know, because the rape story. And then he's like, did that, that really happen? Didn't it? And she's like, it did happen. So I guess she really was, she was attacked. And then um, they run out because the report, there's like literally like a hundred reporters there chasing after them, you know, cause that's how debating is right. Just reporters are just waiting outside because the people want to, you know, the press wants to talk to uh, the, the college debaters. <laughs> like oh man like hey let me in there like they're acting like it's like the you know oj simpson case like let me in there. i gotta talk to this guy so tell us about the, you debating well um you know they run off like they're kind of like fucking um you know brangelina in 19 in 2005 <laughs> let's get out of here oh man these fucking these paparazzi they're just hounding me they just know what a great debater i am so um, that was Listen to Me. Um, I think it was uh, a pretty, it, it's, it, I guess it was kind of funny in how bad it was. It was one of those movies. And that's why I watched it was because I was going, I think I was on Tubi and I was looking for something to watch. And and I saw that come up and I was like, oh, I remember Tubi's great. It's kind of shitty, but it's good for like movies that like, you just haven't thought about since you saw the, you know, a commercial for them in like the eighties where you're just like, Oh, I remember this was a movie. What is it debating? And then I was like, I mean, it has, it has some good people. It It's, it's such a weird um, pop pop culture uh, object because it really does encapsulate a very specific time period in pop culture where things were happening, but things were literally about to shift so different in such a different direction, I guess, because the decade was ending, but like sitcoms were such a big thing and they weren't going to be a big thing. Like family sitcoms were such a big deal at the time. And, you know, the male, the young male that was like really obnoxious and sarcastic and smart alecky was a big thing, but think, you know, Kirk Cameron was that guy. And then in the nineties, he just kind of like went off the deep end. I, I think his film career didn't pan out and just, and then um, just things started shifting. Thing, you know, movies started becoming uh, a bigger thing. And then like Gen X movies and young uh, Hollywood, young Hollywood became more a thing. It was more geared towards young people. And I feel like this movie was kind of like they were like, oh, th- these are the hot new big stars of tomorrow. You know, we get we're going to get them all in one movie, and and it's going to be a great showcase for them. You know, like they're debating. Like Peter DeLuise is on the debate team, and it's like, why? But that guy does not look like he can even talk. Like, and they never show him doing anything. 
because clearly he can't debate. I don't even know what he knows what that means. And they, even his character is weird. Like it was like grunts. It's almost like Bluto from Animals. It's like this guy's on the fucking debate team. So anyway, that was uh, that was a lot of bullshit. It is amazing when I oh, this is another thing I remembered. So I, I have this weird memory. I looked for it online where I swear I remember when this movie was coming out. And I have a really my I have this memory for like it was like a sponge for weird, random, obscure pop culture things. Like things just like stick in my head for some reason. Like, and it's weird because I'll remember something from like 1987 and like I'll look at it, I'll see it again later. And I I remember the exact wording of it. Like, like I'll be like, oh, this is what they say. Like, I'll see a random episode of like 90210, and I'll be like, oh, this is what he says here. And it'll be exactly that line. It's weird. So, but I can't remember other things, but things like that. But I swear I saw like Roy Scheider on a talk show or on a game show where you know they have game show, they used to have game shows, and I guess they still do, but they would have a celebrity on. And they would interview them before the game started. And I remember they were like, what are you up to? And he was like, oh, I just did this movie about debating. And Jamie Gertz is in. He's like, and he said with all seriousness, like, I think Jamie Gertz is going to win the Oscar. It's, it's unbelievable. Her performance is just like, it's just next level. It's just, you know, soul crushing. She really nailed it. And I remember being like, wow, what is this movie? And then I remember just kind of coming and going. So it's funny to watch it now. It's like, what are you fucking, like, did he really think that? I guess because the I guess when you're on a set of something, it's just you know if you're near it and you're you know if you're in it, you're just deluded. But, but they, I, I, this is a movie I guarantee when they're making it, like this is this like I guarantee you, Kirk Cameron was doing scenes like, dude, you're this is unbelievable. You're going to be the next big thing. You are such oh my god, you're on your way. There's no stopping you after this. I can't believe what this is going to do for your career. And then it was just like. <laughs> And then um, a year later, he was just like thumping the Bible, like, you know, Jesus told us that we need to do this. It's like, well, I guess that film career is not going to pan out now that you're all weird. (laughs) So that's Listen to Me. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I'm going to wrap this up. Um, We'll be back next week. Or check out, we have a new LATV episode out right now, and we'll have one next week. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. My words are weapons. I use them to crush my opponents. My words are weapons. I never show no emotion. My words are weapons. I use them to kill whoever stepping to me. My words are like weaponry on a record. My words are weapons. I use them to crush my opponents. These words are weapons. I never show no emotion. My words are weapons. I use them to kill whoever stepping to me. My words are like weaponry on a record. Yeah. The rage I release on a page is like a demon unleashing a cage. Lunatic, soon as I hit the stage, my mind is like a fucking stick of dynamite. Once I get behind a mic, it's like the weakest bitch you bitches die tonight. My nine is like a guiding light at night, shining bright. My fucking grip is tighter than my wife's vagina. These cock-sucking cops got my Smith & Wesson. I guess it's time to pick a different weapon. Man, this shit's depressing. But Swift is getting me a new one for a Christmas present. Come on, Slim, let's go and teach this fucking bitch a lesson. They managed to confiscate the pistol that I brandished. But my plan is to use this bullshit to my advantage. Shady, stay creative, baby. Hold your head up. Don't you let up one bit on these motherfucking suckers. You're a soldier. Get up. Stand up for what you believe in. Long as you breathe it. They jealous of you, man. It's the only reason they beef it. My words are weapons. I to crush my opponents. My words are weapons. I never show no emotion. My words are weapons. I use them to kill whoever stepping to me. My words are like weaponry on a record. My words are weapons. I use them to crush my opponents. These words are weapons. Never show no emotion. My words are weapons. I use them to kill whoever stepping to me. My words are like weaponry on a record. It's that dirty dozen renegade. You
food and pulled the pin on my grenade. 38s to move your shit about the way. You niggas won't forget about McVeigh. You got something to say, let it out today. I watch these bullets spray from these 10 black fingers hugging these deadly millimeters. That'll make Jeff Diamonds look like he caught a misdemeanor. See, I'm dirty, so I ain't gotta buy a pistol cleaner and official beater. Don't let me see you with your heater, you get swept with it. Tell the motherfucker Swift did it. You packing something special in your crib, then bitch, get it. I'm physically fitted to run your digits. I'm hostile with this Roscoe pointing up your nostrils. You get split it, and guess what? I'm blowing up the hospital and wouldn't give a fuck if you a cop or a hoe. I'm Hannibal Lecter, the spinal cord disconnector. Finding holes to lock them up in motels to inject them. My words are weapons. I used to crush my opponents. My words are weapons. I never show no emotion. My words are weapons. I use them to kill whoever stepping to me. My words are like weaponry on a record. My words are weapons. I used to crush my opponents. These words are weapons. I never show no emotion. My words are weapons. I used them to kill whoever stepping to me. My words are like weaponry on a record. I'm eating crews like I'm Hannibal. There's no way I can be the gay rapper. Why not? I only fuck animals. Oh. <laughs> stupid trick, got my dick starting to itch. Went to my mother's grave site, called her a stupid bitch. One on one in this blood sport. I'm in divorce court. Sue my bitch off a pack of new ports. Six times I've been arrested. How would you feel? You was a Jehovah Witness that always got molested. I'm smoking, dank, drinking, drink. I can't have any kids because I'm fucking shooting blanks. Don't you know, cause I don't give a fuck. Nicole's a whore. I'm glad OJ murdered a slut. Responsibility, I'm negligent. Bill Clinton's a fag. Should be stabbed like Richard Simmons be the president. Call me a weirdo. Call me Vizier. Why stick it up your ass while you shit diarrhea? My words are weapons. I used to crush my opponents. My words are weapons. I never shown no emotion. My words are weapons. I used to 